0: Small fellowship, you just get around and say hi to each other, that's why I'm coming up here late, you know, Rob had to come over and be like, hey, are you going to start or what? Yep, okay, here we are. So, I'm ready to go. You ready to go? Let's stand, we'll sing together our first song. Sustained by joy in trial and pain. We have joy in Christ like all the time, right? So, I trust your wisdom and mercy. So, that's us trusting in God when we face trials and difficulties. Let's go to the next one. So, this one. Through suffering that your love ordains, more like your son you will make me. So, the suffering he brings, all right? But when we trust Him through the suffering, that's when we become more like Christ. That's what the verse is saying, right? It goes kind of quick, and I don't know the song very well, so sitting here and thinking about it kind of helps us to meditate on what what is being sung here? What are, what are we saying? Because we want to be more like Christ. Christ suffered for us on the cross. He paid the ultimate price in death, but not only death, but all kinds of suffering, all kinds of physical pain. He went through for us, and um, there was another verse in here I thought about him praying, or is it the third verse? It just went real quick. For Christ, yeah, there was, Christ embraced the cross of shame. For he embraced the cross. Now, you know, he, and it says, beholding glorious joys to come. When he was in the garden and he prayed, he said, not my will, but thine be done, not my will. Right. So did he want to go to the cross? Right? He did, I don't I don't think he, he because it said, not my will, right? And he was praying to God. And and then he was looking, beholding glorious joys to come. I wonder what he really wanted. So, you know, because he was willing to submit to the Father. But he had a different idea. And you know he was tempted of Satan. You know, Satan's like, here, I'll give you the whole entire world. Right? And that's what he came to save. And Satan tempted it by offering it to him up front. Like, you don't have to die. I'll just give it to you. Just worship me. So, I don't know. Just thinking about that. You know, wrap my head around the suffering that he went through, the, the pain that he went through, his heart's desire when he was praying in the garden. But he gave up what he wanted so he went to the cross for us so that we can have, you know, the glorious joy to come. I wonder if he was looking at the glorious joy to come after the cross when he was praying. I don't know. All right, well, let's go to the next song. All right, one we know well.
1: Church, thank you guys for being here tonight in the house of the Lord. We're, please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 tonight. At the beginning of the chapter, this this chapter talks about uh, a gospel narrative about Jesus and the Pharisees. A a, um, uh, a time when the Pharisees came to Jesus with a question. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus with a question, tempting him. And following that, we're going to talk about Jesus' answer to their question. We're also going to talk about Jesus and his disciples after the Pharisees and Sadducees asked this question. And after Jesus answered this question, we're going to talk about when Jesus left, left the Pharisees with his disciples and the conversations that they had afterwards, which included a misunderstanding on the disciples' part of what Jesus was trying to say. But before we start, let's go ahead and read our passage. Matthew chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 1 and go through verse 12. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempting, desired him, Jesus, that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, can ye discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it. But the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed, and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which, when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not understand Neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000, and how many baskets he took up? Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000, and how many baskets he took up? How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. As we dive in this passage, I want you guys to think with me tonight about the last time that you've experienced a misunderstanding. Maybe this was with a friend, maybe this was with a spouse, maybe this was with a coworker. Think with me about the last time that you've experienced a misunderstanding with someone else. I experienced a misunderstanding in a classroom at Pensacola Christian College my first semester, sophomore year, and I'm going to tell you guys that story now. I, me, me and my friend, his name was Max, we would go door-knocking every Sunday afternoon. We just voluntarily, weekly, went out and knocked on doors, hoping to give the gospel, hoping that uh, someone that we were able to witness to would accept Jesus Christ as their Savior or maybe a believer would... um, We would be able to have a good, encouraging conversation, be an encouragement to a believer that we met. So we were out one Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon, and we got to this house, and the couple was coming out. Their names were Elaine and Jory. So Elaine and Jory are coming out of their house. They're, going, they're getting into their car. We see them getting in. So we run over, try to give them a track, try to talk with them. And they say, oh, we're, we're okay. They refused it. But they said, hey, we're saved, and we'd love to have you back next week and talk with you. How, how often do you guys do this? We said, every Sunday afternoon. So the next Sunday afternoon, we went to that same neighborhood, and we went to Elaine and Jory's house. And they were sitting outside their house, and their house had just burned down. So we're, we come, and Elaine and Joy are standing outside their house. We come say and ask them what happened, and they, they told us there were certain circumstances, and their house ended up burning down. And so we try to be an encouragement to them, ask them anything we could pray for them for, ask them if there was any way we could help them with the situation. They said they both started new jobs because they had to, they had to earn enough money to afford the damages and, and whatnot, so they were actually working through Sunday, they're working through church on Sunday now, and they're working through Wednesday evening night church, and so we, we asked them, we said, hey, would you be willing to go through a discipleship book with us? Um, the Exchange, which is just an organization that gives out discipleship material for believers to go through together, to uh, read through God's Word together, to talk about what we learned from it together, they had given uh, free discipleship books, they had gone through Pensacola Christian College, and so we had some Exchange discipleship booklets. So we asked them, hey, would you be willing to maybe meet weekly outside of your work to still just spend some time in scripture, fellowship with us as believers? And they said they would gladly do that. They wanted to do that. So we began to meet weekly with this couple, Elaine and Jory. As we met weekly, there was, um, I'm not the best with time management, especially my first semester, sophomore year. I didn't even know how to use my calendar app yet. And I accidentally scheduled one of these weekly meetings during one of my classes. My Greek class, which I couldn't have scheduled it better. But anyway, I'm I'm sitting in my Greek class, just taking my quiz, and my friend Max texts me. He says, hey, are you ready to walk over to the Drowsy Poet? The Drowsy Poet was where we normally met with him. It's a coffee shop about a 15-minute walk away from Pensacola Christian College. So I'm sitting in Greek class. He says, hey, we're about to meet them in 15 minutes. We should probably start walking over are you ready? And I text them back, no, I'm not ready. I'm, I'm in the middle of class right now, but I'll probably leave. So I was sitting there pondering, should I, should I keep my commitment to this couple and leave class? And and risk uh, getting a class absence, which it wouldn't affect me until um, I got a few more than that. But I, I, I hadn't gotten any absences up to, the, to this point. So I was pondering if I should or not. And I was like, yeah, I should, I should keep my commitment to this couple, couple and take this class absence. The only problem was I'm sitting in the front of the classroom and the only doors are in the back of the classroom. So I, I'm i sitting in the front of the classroom. I've got to put my backpack on, walk all the way to the back of the classroom, and then leave. So I try to do it without the professor looking. Like He turns around the chalkboard. I'm like, Kiss. so I put my backpack on, start walking towards the back door. And, you know, there's some teachers that are really good at resolving awkward situations. Um, this professor was not one of those. And I, I, and I will also say that in the context of I am terrible at resolving awkward situations. If someone passed out in church right now and we needed to... We needed to get them some medical help. I would say, God is so good as we're gonna getting medical help. I just, I don't I don't know. I, I wouldn't know what to do. So I, I'm walking towards the back of the classroom, and I hear the professor say, Really, Caleb? Really? And so I don't know how to respond. If, if I had remembered, I would have told him before class it all would have been okay. But I'm walking towards the back of the door. I turn, and I'm like, How am I going to resolve this? Am I just going to explain in front of all my classmates? I don't know. But I know I can't just say nothing. So as I'm turning, I see my friend Daniel sitting at the back of the classroom, And he doesn't know why I'm leaving. He just sees that I'm leaving. So he smiles at me and gives me a peace sign. And so I turn, I give a peace sign, and then I walk out of the classroom. And (laughs) and I totally forgot what I was doing. So I just gave him a peace sign and walked out of the classroom. So um, that was a little misunderstanding I had with my teacher over at the college. I asked him for forgiveness later. That looked very disrespectful, and all my classmates told me afterwards while they were laughing. But um, I, I, I talked to him afterwards, explained the situation. He forgave me, so it's all good now. But that was a misunderstanding that I had previously in my life. And here in this passage, we're going to see a misunderstanding that the disciples had while learning from Jesus. And what I want each of us to just leave encouraged with, encouraged to apply tonight, is that God wants each of us to live out his revealed truth. God wants each of us to live out his word. And how do we live out the word of God? Here's three actions we can take that I see from this passage to help us discover and live out God's revealed truth. And the first is we must not overlook the signs of God. We must not overlook the signs of God. This passage starts out with the Pharisees, also with the Sadducees came. Well, who are the Pharisees and the Sadducees? I'm sure you guys know, but just for context, I'm 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 going to explain who they were. The Pharisees were prideful religious tyrants of the Jewish people. The Pharisees, their main character trait, a lot of people would say, was their hypocrisy. And that's what Jesus confronted a lot of times. Um, I, I had an interesting conversation with Pastor the other day, and we talked about how very rarely, if ever, do we ever find a time where Christ confronted, confronted uh, publicans and sinners. Where, whereas, on the other hand, we, we see many times, almost every time, Christ was confronting the religious leaders, the people who knew their Bibles. That's, that's who Christ was confronting. So this is a group of people that, that ran into confrontation with Jesus Christ quite often. So there's the Pharisees. The Sadducees were men who took care of the purity purity of the temple. These men denied the existence of the spiritual world and insisted that the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they insisted that the Torah were the only source of revelation. So that's the Sadducees. So we've looked at the Pharisees and Sadducees. What what were they doing? They came up to Jesus, and the Bible says they were tempting him. They tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And here I see that overlooking the signs of God has a deceitful motive. Overlooking the signs of God has a deceitful motive. When I looked at the Greek word for tempting, it's uh, pirazo, and the same verb is used when the devil attempts, tempts Jesus earlier in Matthew 4 in the wilderness. So you guys remember where, when the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness? In Matthew 4, that's the same word, Greek word, for tempting that we see here when the Pharisees and Sadducees came tempting, desiring that Jesus, that he would show them a sign from heaven. So this, this shows me that the Pharisees and the Sadducees' motive was to ensnare Jesus. They weren't coming to Jesus, hey Jesus, can you show me a sign so that I can believe on you? That's not, they didn't want to believe on Jesus. They wanted to ensnare him. They wanted either him to re- not show them a sign so they could say, hey, he's not the real deal. Whatever their motive was, that it was not to believe on Christ. That wasn't a genuine question they were asking. So overlooking the signs of God is a deceitful motive. But not only that, but overlooking the signs of God... Also, um, has a ooh, my notes are out of word, but That's okay. Is a conscious choice. The, um, overlooking the signs of God is a conscious choice. So signs have been already been given and ignored. In the previous chapter, Jesus Christ had worked miracles of heaven. Yet the Pharisees and Sadducees chose to ignore these miracles. At the end of chapter 15, if you look back, you'll see the feeding of the four thousand. And just before the feeding of the 4,000, Jesus Christ came to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Here he made whole a young girl who was attacked by a demon. In Tyre and Sidon, Jesus healed multitudes of the lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others. These multitudes of sick people and blind people and lame people, they came and the Bible says they cast themselves down at Jesus' feet and Jesus healed them. That is so awesome. And these Pharisees, they've seen this. They've seen Jesus Christ work miracles of heaven. They've heard about these miracles that Jesus Christ has worked, yet they continue to make this conscious choice to deny Christ and not believe in Christ. Jesus Christ uses weather and rain as an illustration for this. It says, He answered and said unto them, this is how he answers this this question. The Pharisees and Sadducees say, Hey, can you show us a sign? He says, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering." O oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you can, can ye you not discern the signs of the times? There's a sailor saying which says Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. Red sky at night, sailors delight. A red sun and sky in the evening indicates that the next day will be dry and pleasant. A red sun and sky in the morning indicates that there's a high water content in the atmosphere, and that there could be a, this could be an indication that a storm system or a big storm is on, is on its way. So sailors knew this saying, and this, they're on the coast of the Sea of Galilee, so people here are familiar with this, with this illustration. And what, what Christ is saying is, you know when a storm's coming, and you know when a storm's not coming, and yet you can't, you can't believe things that you've seen. The Pharisees are making a conscious choice to deny Christ after he's already proven himself by working miracles of heaven. The second, the second um, sign that we see here, we see that Jesus Christ has been working miracles of heaven, but he also mentions the sign of the prophet Jonas. You may be asking, well, who is Jonas? That's what I asked, at least. You, might, you guys might already know. But I was like, who is Jonas? I've never heard of this guy before. But the prophet Jonas is actually the prophet Jonah from the Old, Old Testament, so we all, we all are very familiar with his story. Uh, earlier in Matthew 12, the Pharisees came with a, almost the same question. Uh, it says in Matthew 12, verse 38, Then certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. He continues and says in this chapter, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So what Christ is saying here is Jonah, the the example of Jonah when he was three days and nights in the belly of a whale before the whale spit him up on the shore, so, so will I be, Jesus Christ is saying, so will I be buried in the grave for three days and nights, and then I will rise from the dead. So this sign of the prophet Jonas was Jesus Christ himself. So Jesus is telling the Pharisees and Sadducees, not only have you seen the miracles I've worked, but I, I myself am fulfillment of prophecy, fulfillment of the prophecy of Jonas. And yet um, the Pharisees, they've seen Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God. They've seen the miracles that he's worked, and they continue to reject and make that conscious choice. So I see that overlooking the signs of God has a deceitful motive. It's a conscious choice. And it's also the sign and the characteristic of a wicked generation. It's the characteristic of a, of a wicked generation. When I think of the scribes and Pharisees and the Sadducees, a uh, passage that comes to my mind, and when I think of this, when, it, when Jesus Christ says, because you haven't believed, that's the sign, or because you're asking for a sign to tempt me, that's the sign of a wicked generation. Romans 1 verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even as eternal power and godhead so that they were without excuse because that when they knew god they glorified him not as god neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened professing themselves to become wise they became fools so these Pharisees and Sadducees they knew the word of god not only had they seen these signs but they knew their bible they knew the old testament they knew they had to have known that jesus was fulfilling these prophecies and yet they made the conscious choice to reject him. Professing themselves to become wise, they became fools. So um, we see here that overlooking the signs of God is the characteristic of an adulterous generation and a wicked generation. It's a conscious choice, and it also has a deceitful motive. And, I, and when, I, when, I, when I read this and when I think about this, it convicts me because I, I think back to how many times in my life have I overlooked the signs of God, maybe not concerning believing on him, Maybe not concerning my salvation, but my sanctification. When God has, when the Holy Spirit has convicted me in a service, or through His Word, or through my devotions, when He's convicted me to make a change in my lifestyle, and yet I've overlooked that. I said, God, I don't need to. Do that. I, I don't need to do that right now. I don't need to make that choice right now. And I'm consciously choosing to reject God or to reject the change that He's He wants me to implement in my life. Maybe it's something as little as. Um, I know I don't know if she's in here, but Ms. Anna gave a testimony uh, after a Revival Week of, of God convicting her to pass a track out to someone. Many times it's happened to me when I've been in a restaurant or when I've, when I've been out in my community and God said, hey, Caleb, go, go give a track to that, to that person. And I either didn't have a track on me because I had forgotten to grab them, which is negligence on my part, or I just um, I just refused. I was like, God, I don't want to do that right now. I don't have time for that. But whatever that is, I I pray that each of us today would, would, uh, by God's grace, not overlook the signs of God. So in order to live out God's truth from this passage, I see that we should not overlook the signs of God. But I also see that we should not forget what God's done for us. We should not forget what God has done for us. So after this, Jesus and his disciples, they leave the Pharisees. It says, when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which, when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, Oh, ye have little faith. Why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand? Neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets he took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, how many baskets he took up? You see, the disciples here forgot what Jesus had done for them. They forgot what, what Christ had, the miracles that Christ had just worked, because they were concerned about themselves. As if Jesus needed them. And don't get me wrong, Jesus does want each of us to serve him, but, but he doesn't need us to. And I'm thankful that Jesus does want us to serve him, and I don't understand completely why, because at least for me, I'm a broken vessel. So I'm thankful that God's, God chooses to use me, despite me, not because of me, and that he wants to. I'm so thankful for that. But the disciples forgot what Jesus had done, and I'm also thankful that we serve a God that will remind us when we forget what he's done in, in, in our lives. The disciples needed Jesus to remind them of what he had done. Jesus comes to them and he says, have you forgotten the feeding of the 5,000 where there were 12 baskets of food left over? Have you forgotten the feeding of the 4,000 where there were 7 baskets of food left over? He said, why, why are you worried about your physical need of bread when you're with me? Almost a almost question when I, I'm thinking of the story when Jesus was calmed the storm and the disciples were worried about that. Well, the Son of God was in the boat. And so... Here we see that Jesus reminds them of his power. Jesus reminds them of things that he's done for them in their past. And I'm thankful for, for when God's word reminds me of what he's done for me in my past. And, and that motivates me to serve him. What God's done for me should motivate me to serve him. But I'm a very forgetful person, so I'm thankful that God reminds me of what he's done for me. So I would encourage us tonight, in order to live out God's revealed truth, in this passage I see, we shouldn't overlook the signs of God. We should also not forget what God has done for us. But finally, we uh, should listen to the voice of God. We should listen to the voice of God. In order to listen to the voice of God, first I see from this passage that we must rid ourselves of distractions. The disciples here, they reason among themselves, saying... Jesus tries to warn them about the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And the disciples are saying, oh, he's talking about the bread. He said leaven. So he said the word leaven, and their mind just focuses on the food. And I love this, because they're men, and I'm, I'm becoming a man, and I, 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 want, I want food. Like, I love food. And so I'm, I would imagine that Christ had said McDonald's cheeseburger. I, I wouldn't have heard anything else he said, because I would have just been thinking about a McDonald's cheeseburger the rest of the time. I love McDonald's, if you didn't know. Um, you don't have to agree with me. But um, here, the disciples, Jesus said the word leaven, and so the disciples were focused on the word Bread. And they, they were focused on, they were distracted by their physical need for bread. They forgot to bring bread from the feeding of the 4,000. And when Jesus wanted, warned them of the leaven of the Pharisees, the disciples assumed he was talking about bread because they were distracted by that need. So in order to listen to the voice of God, first I see Jesus corrects them here, and they, we need to rid ourselves of whatever is distracting us. So, if you want to really hear the voice of God, whether it's through through the preaching of His Word, whether it's through your own study of His Word, if you really want to hear His voice, if I really want to hear His voice, then I must rid myself of whatever distractions are in my life. Whether it's whether it's um, whether it's a physical need I have, whether it's a health health issue that maybe. Some of us have. Whatever it is, we, we have to put it from our mind. Maybe it's a, it's a financial need. Maybe it's um, just a conflict that we had with our coworker that day. Whatever it is, um, we, have to, we have to ask God to help us to focus on his word, and we have to rid ourselves of whatever is distracting us from him. So to listen to the voice of God, we must rid ourselves of distractions, but we must also align our thinking with how God thinks, align our thinking with God's thinking. And to think the way that God thinks, I first see that we must be walking with God. The disciples were with Jesus. If they weren't in Christ's presence, if they weren't with him, walking with him, they would never have heard his voice when he tried to teach them this lesson, when he tried to um, correct them after they misunderstood what he was saying. But because the disciples were walking with Christ, they, they um, were able to listen to his voice. And I think although it might not be physically walking with Christ for us, we each should spiritually be walking with Him. And we, we each should be doing that by spending time in His presence. Our relationship takes time. It takes it takes effort. So we should be putting effort into our spiritual life. We should be intentional with that. And we should be do that by reading His Word. We should do that by talking with Him and just in our daily devotions. But to listen to the voice of God, we must be walking with Him. Also, to think the way God thinks, we must be willing to take correction. I must be willing to take correction. So... Here we see that Christ corrects the disciples. He says, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Skipping the, a couple of verses, how, how is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? So here we see that <clears throat> Jesus was teaching the disciples to beware and to guard against the false doctrine and hypocrisy of the Sadducees and Pharisees. But at the end of this passage in verse 12, we see, then they understood, they, how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And I'm thankful for this. The disciples got it. They understood what Christ was trying to teach them. Why? Because they listened to his correction. I think so many times, I I don't know if it's just me, but when I'm corrected, I feel like I throw up a wall immediately. I feel like um, uh, sometimes I don't take that correction to heart. But the reality is that Christ worked through correcting the disciples, and many times God maybe has to correct us. Maybe i say, Caleb, I don't want you to go that way. I want you to go this way. Maybe he has to change their course. Maybe we need to be sensitive to his spirit, as Drew's mentioned uh, previously. But what, whatever that is, <clears throat> um, we must be listening to the voice of God, and we must be willing to take correction, make changes in our lives as he guides and directs us. So the Pharisees and Sadducees' errors, the leaven of bread that Jesus was ta- talking about, were... Errors such as hypocrisy, as we talked about. Um, Jesus was warning the disciples not to make the same errors. Leaven bread, what does it do? It rises, it spreads, and it smells wherever it spreads. Just like the leavened bread, the hypocrisy of these religious leaders was spreading. Jesus told his disciples to guard against it in their, in their own lives. So he tells the disciples, don't have this hypocrisy in your own life. And I'm, I'm thankful for this because what, what was happening with the Pharisees, they were being hypocritical and their, their, how they lived out God's word. And oftentimes, who were they? They were the religious leaders at the time. So people looked up to them, and yet they were being hypocritical. So oftentimes when a leader is hypocritical, then the people that follow that leader are hypocritical as well. What, what, what need would they have to be genuine if their leader is hypocritical? And that's, that's why I'm so thankful for this church. Something I've learned here is Pastor John, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Brett, as I've just ministered alongside them, they're very genuine. They're some of the most genuine Christian men I've ever met and their walks and, and their faithfulness to God's Word and preaching of it. So when I think of them, I think, wow, genuine leaders. And so that's what Christ is saying to the disciples here. He's saying, be a genuine leader. Don't, don't um, be hypocritical because there's people watching you. And I think not just for the pastoral staff here, not just for the, us who are able to have the opportunity, I'm thankful for, it to enter in here, but each of you in here, there, there are people that watch you, whether it's your children, whether it's friends, whoever it is, there are people in here that watch you and they, they see whether you're being genuine in your walk or that you're being hypocritical. There, there are people that watch me and see if I'm being hypocritical or genuine. And, I, and I'm sure that there have been many times in my life where they've seen hypocrisy in my life. And yet Christ here is, is to, warns us and encourages us to guard against hypocrisy in our lives and to be genuine. What I love about this is is the choice that Christ gives the disciples. You might not be able to see it at first, but when Jesus first warns them, he says, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. What I love is the second time that Jesus says this, he doesn't, he doesn't dumb this question down for them. He doesn't dumb this command down for them. He doesn't re-explain what he was trying to say. He doesn't reword it. All he says is he repeats what he says in, in the beginning. He says, How is it that you do not understand that I spake it, not to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? He says the same thing. He's not, he's not going to make the disciples listen to him. He's not going to shove what he, the, the lesson he's trying to teach them down their throat. He invites them to listen to him again and to really understand what he's trying to tell them. And what I love about that is, is God, God invites us, God wants us to listen to his word. God wants us to live out his word, but he's not going to force us to. He's just going to let us come to him. And I'm just so thankful for that, about our God, about our Savior and his word so, in order to live out his word, though, we must listen to the voice of God, we must not forget what he's done for us, and we must also not overlook the signs of God. As we go throughout our lives, we'll find God's truth as we, as we, we read his word, and as we meditate on it. The disciples learned a valuable lesson on the coast of Magdala, and with God's grace, I pray that we will learn to apply the same lesson. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then I'm going to uh, go ahead and take a few prayer requests. We have... 22 minutes, uh, but probably won't take that long. I'm just going to take a few prayer requests, and then we'll split up into our groups. Okay. My Father's I come before you, God. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to uh, present Your Word, God. Thank you for Your Word. Thank you for the the wisdom that it gives us, that it speaks into our lives, how it directs us, God. With each step we take in life, thank you for Christ and the fact that He wants us. He wants to use us, God. He wants to use me, God. I pray that as we go throughout our, the rest of our week, we would strive to apply what. Whatever you've spoken to, to us through this message tonight, God, and through our own um, reading and meditation of your word, Lord, and that you would give us opportunities to witness, to glorify you, and to serve you throughout our week, help us to take those, give us the energy to, and give us the desire to. God, I love you. Thank you for loving me first. In your name I pray. Amen. Um, so, does anyone have any prayer requests? Thank you. Okay, Vicky King, recovery from surgery, quick recovery. Sorry for that. Anyone else? Sure. That's awesome. So a witnessing opportunity for Mrs. Joy. your cousin's daughter okay so um, Rebecca her husband's being deployed pray for her any other prayer requests all right if you guys want to uh, or whenever after this you guys can split into your groups and uh, pray